Welcome to the Soul Journeys podcast. My name is Jennifer Longmore, and I am founder of the number one Akashic Record training school in the world. As a seasoned light worker and ascension worker, I want to bring you the show to provide you with the divine guidance and tools that you need as a light worker and change agent to navigate this great awakening. So if that is something that you're craving, then you have come to the right place. Think of this High Vibe podcast as your guide to the changes that we're seeing in the world so that you can be supported in navigating the new paradigm. Leave it to me to provide you with the divine tools, resources, and experts that will support you in navigating this once-in-a-lifetime epic event. Thank you for pressing play. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Soul Journeys Great Awakening podcast. I am your host, Jennifer Longmore, and I am happy to have Crystal Vega back on the show because we ended up having a conversation. I'm going to give you a little more context in a, in a moment, but we had a conversation last week, and I thought, oh my goodness, everyone needs to hear this conversation. I cannot stress to you how important it is, in my opinion, for you to not only hear this conversation today, but also to share it far and wide, uh, if you're feeling guided to, because it's profound. And when we get into it, you'll hear what I'm saying. Now, in Crystal's own words, she believes that dreams can come true. She's living proof. She made it her mission to activate a change in people's minds that allow them to acknowledge the power that they have to shift into a better place and achieve results that they are, were never able to achieve. She is living proof because she packed her bags and left Cameroon in Africa to pursue the American dream. She barely spoke English and had no friends, but she came here anyways because nothing was going to stop her. And now she's happy to report that she's a TV host, an inspirational speaker, living in Southern California in a beautiful home just a block away from the beach, continuing to live and expand her dream. So, Crystal, welcome. Thank you, Jennifer. It's always a pleasure to be here. So thank you for having me back. It's always weird to, for me anyways, when I know people, it's, it's weird to introduce them because there's, I don't know, <laughs> I, I want to throw in anecdotes and I'm like, no, just stick to introduction and then we'll dive in. But anyways, it's great to see you and thank you for doing this. So we had, I, I guess we should probably just dive in and I'll give people listening a bit of context because uh, it really, your story really moved me all every time you tell me a, an aspect of your life, it really hits me. So I appreciate you for that. <laughs> and um, anyway, so you had sent me a message and you had been, and I don't even know how you got this video, by the way, but you sent me a video that you had watched and it was really upsetting to you about how there's been a long history of trying to kill black people, like really insidious ways mm -hmm. that the powers that be will call them are trying to kill black people. And I don't know for, because I know the audience that listens to this show, I don't know that that would necessarily be surprising to people, but it's something that we tend to not want to look at because we don't want to believe that there's that much evil on the planet. Potentially, I don't want to put words in people's mouths, but I can speak for myself that there's many things that have happened over the years to all kinds of people and animals and stuff. And, you know, we kind of, we don't always have the bandwidth to deal with that. But anyways, you sent me this message 
And I said, well, I, I don't like that you're sitting in this energy. Let's hop on a call. And so we started chatting and then you shared some really what I feel is really important information that I personally didn't know. And I'm guessing a lot of people didn't know about how Africa was originally colonized and the level of deception. And what I found interesting, aside from the fact that, yes, as a standalone, it's already disgusting how Africa was colonized and how it continues to be colonized. And then I can also see the parallels of how that's happening in the world right now in um, various countries, especially countries that already uh, don't necessarily have a voice or already have a lot of limitations on their, on their rights and how challenging it must be for them to get the truth out of what's actually happening in their country and what's happening to their people. So um, should we just dive in? Yes. <laughs> First of all, I wanted to thank you again to, know, uh, to be there, you know, to listen when that day I watched that video you mentioned. Mm -hmm. because uh, it really triggered something in me that I didn't even know was there because as a black person, you kind of get used to, you know, ignoring some things to move on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you just, you are just in that space of kind of, it's kind of normal to see uh, certain behaviors and you don't react the same way anymore. You just try to, stay in a space where you don't want that to drag you in the dark and you say, Hey, I'm here for something bigger and I'm going to focus on that and whatever is happening, you know, you know, it is what it is. And that video some, for some reason really shocked me and I cried like a baby. And the first thing that come into, came into my mind, because when you're in those moments, you, you want somebody to, to help which is good to, to know that that's why I want to thank you because some way, somehow I knew I could reach out to you, maybe because of the way you show up, the mm -hmm. way, you know, you clearly say what you believe to be true. And I know your stand on certain topics. That's why I felt safe to come to you because also I know you have a lot of knowledge on things that maybe I don't have access to. Mm -hmm. And really what was triggering to me maybe that day was the fact that all the things that we, we know that is mainstream media that have been known for years, we don't, I've realized that we don't know how deep really the agenda is. And that was shocking to me. And the question that I asked myself, and I don't know if I, I texted you that in the message. I know I shared that with some of my friends. I was, I asked, what did black people actually do that can justify why they want to erase them from the planet? I mean, we have to have done something. It can't just be people sitting in meetings. I don't know how it goes. Maybe they have meetings or I don't know how they plan all those things, but for them to plan consistently how to eradicate the black race, it was astonishing to me to wonder what can we what can we have possibly you know do for to deserve that to be like these people can't be on this planet we have to figure out a way so that that's really where the trigger was like yeah i get it you might not like us i get it you might not you know think much of us i get it but to the point to plan all these things over and over and over and over again, over the years, over the centuries, over the whole history of humanity, 
I had to stop and wonder what's going on here. There, there has to be something deeper. There has to be something really that I'm missing here. Because as you mentioned, I'm from Africa. So I know already a lot of things. That's why probably I was kind of desensitized by that because I have seen so much, heard so much growing up as I was sharing the call. I already have stories about vaccines. I was a little girl when my mom would tell me, not only her, but all the parents will tell us when they will start campaigns of vaccination, they will go to schools to vaccinate kids. So they will announce that, okay, we're going to start this campaign, going to go to schools to vaccinate kids against so-and-so. My mom and all the parents that I know will tell us, if they come to your school, run as fast as you can. Don't let them vaccinate you. Because the story was, there was no social media. I don't know how they had the information, but they knew. The story was, they are trying to get girls to never have kids. That's what the vaccine is. The vaccinations are for. That's what is in the vaccines. Mm -hmm. So we will do that. We'll run as fast as we can when they come to our schools. So we already had those stories. I grew up with those stories of trying to reduce the black uh, people population. I was a little girl. I didn't understand the whole thing, but at least that I knew. I grew up with that information that vaccines are a tricky way to destroy us, right? So my mom they never gave us, gave us that. Growing up again, I was hearing stories, you know, about the Catholic church and how they were, how it all started with religion in Africa, you know? Not everything is in books. Sometimes it's like right now what we are witnessing, what is in the media is not the whole story or maybe it's not even the story at all, whatever we want to look at it, you know? So some, and who writes the books we read in Africa? They're coming from the Western world. So of course, the story is always written in favor of the winner of any war, right? So they're going to write the story that they want us to read in school, in classrooms, they want us to buy into. So that's what they're going to teach us in school. But we will have parents and you know, grandparents, people who actually lived during those times of colonization and, and slavery and all of that, telling us a different story. So that's how I had the story of how the church came to Africa. What was the truth behind the first missionaries? They were actually not missionaries. They were disguised as missionaries just to because they couldn't just attack Africa and go get slaves. They didn't know the territory. They needed to penetrate the territory. And they had to come in peace for people to not react because if they didn't know the place, it would have been hard for them to succeed. So they had to send people to recognize the, state, the place, the land, what is happening. And beyond that, prepare them mentally, brainwash them to be open to whatever was going to happen. So I don't know, maybe I'm already going too far away in the conversation, but really that's how you know we ended up deciding to have this conversation on this podcast because with all that I already knew growing up and all the stories, watching that video was just kind of too much, wondering what on earth can really explain all of this. And that's the story of me from Africa. And the, the slaves that came here have a different story, which is maybe worst. And, you know, in, in many ways, and it's everywhere. 
not only in America, it's really everywhere because wherever a black person is, it's the same treatment. So that video just triggered all those memories of what can really explain this? Mm-hmm. Are we that bad? I mean, are we that big of a threat for the rest of humanity? That's why they, they really come together to make sure that we are out of the picture. So that, that's really how it all started. Mm-hmm. I love that you shared that. And I think, yeah, we have a lot to unpack today. And so we'll go back to the vaccines after, not because it's not important, but because it feels like if we start with the spiritual stuff first and kind of work our way down, mm-hmm. that we'll, mm-hmm. we'll be able to tie it all together for people. And part of what I wanted to, you know, aside from the fact that every time you share your story with me, I'm always so moved because it, like, it really hits me, but I feel like it, it helps me it helps me expand my consciousness. It also helps me return to the truth because I, I shared with you as a kid, like I, I couldn't watch like So you wouldn't have seen them potentially, but it were, when I was growing up, there were often um, these charity or like philanthropic commercials. Right. And they would always have a kid from Ethiopia who looked sad that had flies in his eyes, big distended belly. And they would ask us for money. And would constantly show us just how uh, not only deprived people in various countries were in Africa, but also how depraved they were. There was, there was this sub- subliminal programming and messaging, right, around look at these really helpless people who just are, they were trying to lead us to believe that there was a lot of barbaric sort of things happening. And, um, but anyways, I remember thinking at a very young age, like, surely there's got to be an easy way to get food over to Africa. How can we have food here and they can't have it there? Something doesn't sit right. And it never sat right with me. And I didn't know. And then of course, as I got older, I realized, oh, there's not a food issue in Africa. There's a, there's a purposeful suppression of distribution of resources in Africa that has nothing to do with anyone's, you know, like there's no, it's no fault of anyone living in Africa. These are the elites that are playing the game. And then you start to realize how complex it is. And, um, but anyways, when you shared the story around the way that they colonized, that is at least for me and a good chunk of people I speak to, we wouldn't have known that. And what you shared with me last week was that uh, these soldiers were, so it wasn't just that people came in pretending to be missionaries. These were actual soldiers. They were already at war with you. You didn't even know you were in a freaking war. I mean, culturally speaking, right? And like, if they're so tough, why are you deceiving yourself? Why are you being deceptive? So not only did they come at you in war without letting you know, like what there was no fair game in that, Typically, there's some fair game rules in war, but there was no fair, fair game rules. And then they had people coming in as missionaries to drop your defenses, right, and build this trust. And then based on what you shared with me, and I'll let you obviously share it in your own words, they were um, telling you that your religion was evil, that you were doing the work of the devil, and the only true path to salvation was through the Bible. And then they created these fake confessionals and they kept, you know, forcing people to go to confessional, uh, whether they had sins or not, because it was going to liberate their soul and help them get to heaven. 
And so people would go to confessional saying, yeah, I'm hiding some people down by the river. And then magically 30 minutes later, a bunch of soldiers would show up at the river and capture, you know, whatever Africans were there that were, were um, refusing to convert to Christianity. And we're still trying to hold on to the original medicine and wisdom of, um, of their ancestors. Am I getting that right? Yes, and it, it that's that's exactly you know the stories that our parents told us. Cause you it's not on stories books because they will not write those things. So basically, and my mom, I remember my mom actually even she, my mom is eighty five and she heard this, she also got the story from her parents. So there was a cathedral in our city, and every time we pass by in a taxi, she will mention remind me that you know people sitting there, the priest. And I grew up in the, in the Catholic church. My family was, you know, in the Catholic church before. So they knew all those things, but yet they still believe that, you know, it's the people, it's not the religion itself. It's not the system. Even now when they talk about priests raping kids, people will justify it by, well, it's a few people, but this, the, the church itself is not a problem, whatever. But those uh, soldiers disguised in, missionar in missionaries first came, and said the Bible is the only way to God. So whatever religion that we had, and we had a way to watch. And I remember my dad was always telling us that because my dad was um, a spiritual leader in our tradition, really respected, big spiritual leader. So it was, it was reminding us constantly that before religion ever came, before they came with the Bible, they knew God. They called him a different name, but... They always believed in a higher power. They always believed and all their rituals were always calling upon a higher power. Even though they were reaching out to their ancestors and, you know, you, you know, using the power of herbs and plants in the earth, they will always refer to a higher power. So, so they knew and they believed in a higher power, but they all, they just had different rituals. But the church came and told everybody that we didn't believe in God or a higher power, we believe in that whatever we're doing was worshiping the devil. And we had to stop because if you worship the devil, you end up in hell. And who wants to go to hell? Mm -hmm. When you describe hell to you, you don't want to go there. So they made sure to do, do, do start with that brainwashing of telling people whatever you, your ways are wrong, your traditions are bad, you know, your, whatever you're doing, you, you have to stop. But they went even far, far what, why is that important even in relationship with slavery? The way we, we had some herbs and plants, people could disappear. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. using those plants and potions, you could be having, you know, come here to get somebody, the person would disappear. So they knew we, because they came, remember, they came to recognize the land to, to make sure everything is under control before now the armies will show up. So knowing that, oh, the peop these people have things that will allow them to disappear. If we come to catch them, to make them slaves, how are we going to do that? We have to get those things. So the priest in churches will tell people, whatever you guys are using, you have to bring it to church. So we're going to destroy it. 
So people who believe to the, to the gospel and who didn't want to go to hell, to hell, what will they do? They will bring those things to church. So they will lose all those, you know, things that they were using to protect themselves, to keep themselves safe. So now they didn't have it anymore. So the church made sure to do that work ahead. And also they, you, you were talking about what I shared with you with the confession. They explained to them that if you do something, if you, you're doing something that is not okay, you know, you have to come and tell the priest so that your, your sins are forgiven and then you are connected to God again. And if you don't do that, you are disconnected from God and you're going to, to hell. So when um, the soldiers finally came and started to try to take possessions of lands, of course, people started resisting. It's not like they showed up and people say, okay, take them as slaves, take our brothers and our fathers and our husbands, go with them, treat them like animals. No, people resisted. So they were trying to resist as much as they could. They didn't have weapons as, you know, the Western men who came with their weapons and all the big things. We had our own natural self, as I was saying, like the plants or herbs that will allow people to disappear. We'll use our natural, you know, weapons, make weapons from, from trees. And so that's how we're resisting. And the resistance was strong because they didn't know our bushes. So if people, a group of resistance will go and hide somewhere, find a place in the bush far in the forest to hide, they will know, not know where to to go get them. They will not know because they didn't know the forest. So what will happen is those people, some of them before the soldiers were coming had already con been converted into Christianism. So they already knew that they have to confess. And in church, the priest will make sure to still, okay, first they will find real good verses in the Bible, verses like obey your master. If you disobey your master, God, you are disobeying God. You have to obey your master. You have to pray for your master because whatever master you have is God that gave you that master. So you disobeying the master, you are disobeying God. And you don't want to be in, in, in trouble with God, do you? So now the master showed up and the priests are still repeating that or you have to obey the master. So now people feel like it's a sin if they even resist. Because resisting is resisting the, ma the master and resisting God itself. So now they are in that brainwashing, brainwashed state where they can't, it's, not, it's a sin if they even defend themselves. It's a sin if they rebel against the master. They are going to hell if they do so. And the few who could still resist will still know, oh, okay, well, even, if, even though I'm resisting, I know it's a sin. I have to go confess my sins in the middle of the night, you know, and I will hide and go to church and confess my sins. And so I will go to the priest. Uh, maybe we resisted. We, when they attacked this village, they come, came to get our men. Maybe we, fight, we fought back and maybe two soldiers were killed. Okay, the priest will ask, why are you guys hiding? Of course you trust the priest. He's the servant of God. He's the representation of God. So of course you trust him. 
and you tell him we are hiding in so so and so place and that's where you know when they came and they, you explain everything you think you are in a safe space with this with a representative of god so why would you hide anything and of course you came to even confess your sins so you don't want to hide anything in front of god that's how they will have all the information and sure enough they will go and kill those people resisting and that's how they were able to conquer and conquer and conquer fun fun fact one tribe in my country is still really into their culture and everything that tribe is the one who resisted the most and they got less slaves from that tribe because they never really embodied religion in christianity they never really embodied it they really stayed strong with their culture with their traditions with their way of worshiping their gods so they were not able to to really affect them as much because over there religion didn't have a great you know they didn't take brainwash people as much as they did in other other tribes that's how really slavery and everything else was made easier because they prepared everything with religion brainwash people to be okay with oppression and feel even lucky because they also use verses like um the poor people are the people who are going to heaven rich people will never see god meanwhile the church is taking people's lands because why do you need those things poverty is the best way for you because poor people are the only people who are going to see god and today we are surprised why africa is so poor why people don't even want a better life that much why they brainwash them that is even a sin rich people will not see god up to today in africa if somebody is, is wealthy he is regarded as somebody who serves the devil some way somehow people have still have that in their subconscious mind that you have to do something bad in order for you to be that wealthy and you definitely going to hell because the brainwashing was done so well by the church and telling people only poor people are going to see god rich people are never and they used the story of you know Jesus telling the rich person that was was following him and giving him money the person asked him how are we you know what am i supposed to do and Jesus say give up all your 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 wealth and the rich person couldn't and then Jesus told them told them is so hard for a rich person to go to heaven so they used that story to to explain and convince people that rich people have no place in heaven so you guys are lucky if you are poor you should be grateful you should be happy and meanwhile the church is taking the lands it's taking all everybody's money and all of the things people are giving them their best fruits of the land best you know chicken and goats and everything yeah but you guys should be happy and Lock, feel lucky that you're poor because you're going to heaven so be happy you'll be sitting next to god so the brainwash in and that's why when i today i look i look at at africa I look at my country and and i feel bad because they still they still uh, believe so strongly that the god of the bible is going to save them the god of the bible is going to make their situation better 
the God of the Bible is going to feel sorry for them one day and save them. They can't save themselves because, hey, you don't have to even rebel against something that you feel is not right because you have the master that you deserve. God gave you that master. God gave, made everything like that. So you pray to him and you wait for him to come and save you because if you try to save yourself, you are really disrespecting God. You have no faith. If you try to save yourself, that's a disrespect against God and you don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. That's how deep the brainwashing, the conditioning has been, has allowed slavery, has allowed colonization and has allowed poverty. Because if they tell you you are lucky to be poor, you're going to heaven, of course you feel blessed to be poor. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't realize it, it's all in your subconscious mind, generations after generations after generations. You don't understand why you, you can't get out of poverty. You don't understand. It's coming from t- the programming was done from, you know, centuries before you were even born. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned in the videos about uh, hunger in, in, in Ethiopia. We watched those videos. They were sharing it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I remember when my brother, because my, my, my elder brother, he uh, studied to become a pilot and he went to a school in Ethiopia to study. And I remember how shocked he was when he got to Ethiopia. He was so shocked because we all saw those videos of kids, you know, hungry, as dying and nothing. We just pictured Ethiopia as the poorest country and you know, where people are dying on the street because they're so hungry. I remember how shocked my brother was and he sent us pictures. He was like, this is insane. This country is so beautiful. I have no idea where they were taking all those videos from. He was shocked and we were all shocked because we all had that story. Remember, we don't really make up things in Africa. They send us everything. They send us the books. They send us the brainwashing continue. Right, it's not like it has ended after slavery and colonization and all of that. No, it continues. Even today, I remember uh, a few years ago, before I was leaving Cameroon, um, a German TV network got found a, a musician in Cameroon who was just trying, you know, wasn't a big big name or anything like that. Paid him good money and had him go found the poorest neighborhood in Cameroon and say that's how people live in Cameroon and found HLM, like buildings where, you know, government buildings that, that they give to, you know, government workers because they don't make that much money and say that's where the richest people in Cameroon live. I remember how upset we were. We, I remember it was past, they were showing that on TV in Europe. That was in, in, in 2000, probably 2005 or seven. Wasn't far, long ago. There were still the same videos like in Ethiopia years ago. They are still creating those videos showing that that's Africa even today. That's how poor people are. Everywhere you have poor neighborhoods, even here in LA. Mm-hmm. Even here in LA. So if somebody comes now in, in, in LA, goes to those you know, poor neighborhood, makes a video and tells the whole world, this is Los Angeles. Is it true? Is it accurate? No, no, but that's what they do. Even now I'm telling you that that video was made like in 2005 or seven. And I, was, I know how shocked we were, like, this is not true. 
The people who live on, in those buildings are government workers who don't make that much money. That's why they live there. That's not where rich people live. But no, that's the story people watching that show in Germany had, thinking that's still Africa today. I remember when I came here, when I was in the detention center, people were asking me, how did you get here? Meaning, there is no aircraft in Africa. How did you get here? In 2005, people were still asking me, how on earth did I leave Africa to come to America? I remember other Africans that were there were so upset. They would say, I flew, I, I, I swimmed, and then where I found forests, I climbed on trees. What the heck? We have aircrafts, but still, people still don't picture it in their mind because the programming is so well done, the campaign is so well done for people to still believe that we are less than nothing. And even during COVID, I was sharing that with you. I had, and I know the lady, I know her heart. She, she really coming from a good place. But again, she doesn't know the truth. People are telling her story and she bought into the story. And I remember she did a Facebook Live. She was saying, oh my gosh, we are, we are giving so much money now because COVID is hitting Africa so hard. It's so bad. And I was watching and I said, I feel, I don't know if I should reach out because I, I knew her. I was like, so should I reach out and tell her, stop saying this, this is not true. Whoever is taking your money right now to go save Africa from COVID, I don't know what they're doing, but let me tell you what is happening. I have family there. It's not hitting Africa worse than it's hitting New York or Italy. It's not. So worry about what is happening in New York. It's closer to you. We are not dying on the street. It, we, people, they, tell us, they told us people are dying in New York on the street. They don't even know where to put their bodies anymore. Never happened in Africa. So I don't know who's taking your money, but stop. Stop giving your money. Mm -hmm. So those stories, we can say, well, that happened a while ago. Why are we still talking about it? Why are we still? Because the story has never ended. They still try to picture Black people as suffering people that if nobody comes to save them, they are done. That's why we still have to talk about it, to let people know, hey, that story was never true. We were there minding our own business, eating the food we had, worshipping the gods we know, until somebody decided to come and tell us, your life is wrong, your life is bad. You need to live like us. And what happened is that because you can't be someone else, we left our ways of living, our ways of finding food, our ways of you know, healing ourselves, our ways of praying. We try to become like the people who came and told us our ways were wrong and bad and from the devil. Now we can't catch up. We can't keep up with that because that's not us. It's someone else's culture. It's on someone else's belief system. Of course we can't. That's why they will say, oh, Africa is behind. Yes, we are behind because it's not our system. It's not our, our, our way of functioning. We were there minding our own business, not asking anything to anyone. We never sent a letter to anyone saying we are dying from hunger, come and save us. No, you guys showed up, came and scattered everything and said, you guys are just barbarians. Whatever you're doing is so bad, it's terrible. We are going to show you how to live. And now we can't live the way you guys want us to live. Now we have a problem. And now you are telling us, oh, they can't make it. Yeah, we can't make it your way, for sure, mm -hmm. for sure. And unfortunately we are trying. 
-hmm. Unfortunately, you know, people are trying because they tell you that's how it is. That's the model. That's the system. You better fit in this box or you're out. We are trying, but we don't have the same resources. Of course, we are going to be behind. Of course, we are not going to be able to live like you guys because we are not you guys. Mm-hmm. And did somebody let us be? No. They didn't let us be. Now, all of a sudden, we are a problem that the whole world has to solve. Why? When did all that start? That's the real question to ask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and talk about the ultimate gaslighting, right? Like you're made wrong for having different beliefs than what Catholics thought you should have. And then you're made wrong because you can't make their system work. Meaning like they, they set you up to not be able to win. And then when you're not winning, they make you wrong for not winning because you must not be using their system properly, essentially. Right. Like that's the ultimate gaslighting. There's so much unpack here, Crystal. Um, you know, when you first reached out to me about this in particular, you, you felt that I would have some context for this, just more on a spiritual level, like being able to access the records. And I, and I don't have a lot, meaning I still have a lot of unanswered questions and I'm dedicating the, you know, since our conversation, I've been going in regularly and I'm going to be dedicating a lot of time going into this because it's important to me. And, uh, it's going to be really high level. Like obviously it's more complex than this, but really, and this is thanks to a mentee, the awakener who we've had on. And I want to just, you know, use her name here because uh, she's super uh, connected with, with all of this wisdom and, and her and I were chatting and she confirmed that, yeah, like the African people are the only race that have their 12 strand DNA intact. So the rest of us, that are not black will have distortions in our DNA. We do not have our DNA strands intact. So even with all of the oppression, all of the deception, all of the killings, all of the slavery, all of the, I mean, I could go on with a laundry list. They have to come for you based on their rules. And I'm talking about the elite in case it's not obvious to people listening Mm -hmm. because you pose the greatest threat because you're the most powerful. Think about it in light of all of this. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying that they must be beside themselves. Like what else do we have to do to these people to screw up their DNA? They're too powerful. They literally can survive anything. And I'm talking about, you know, and, and yes, I recognize there's distortions and so on in um, various cultures in Africa, but from a collective, right? And then, you know, to your point around Ethiopia, the original time clock for humanity, the original history of the inception of our planet, when the first race arrived and what our actual time calculations are, are held in Ethiopia. They can't let that out. So they have to make it seem like Ethiopia is the most, it's almost like Ethiopia is so helpless They need your help, but in some ways don't even bother because they're just so far gone, right? Like, and then when you're talking about, well, why, why are they asking for all this money? I wish I knew the answer to that. Other than I do know, practically speaking, that Africa is the most resource rich continent in the world. 
and they've managed to profit an awful lot on that. So it, it doesn't surprise me that they would also profit on the stories that they create as well, because to them, you're a profit center. You provide human capital, meaning slaves, right? You provide gold, you provide uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's so many, uh, so many minerals there. And then of course, all of the cultural wisdom, you've got the actual intact codes for humanity, because you were the first meaning like the first um, humans inhabited Africa, right? That's the, the hub of our homeland. And then us uh, and, and who even knows, like, I don't even know what each country in Africa will hold, but I'm certain they'll hold a piece to all of this puzzle, right? As to why they just go out of their way to constantly suppress Africa. And, and, it sh and everyone should give a lot of Fs about this. Hmm. A, because you are us. And I don't mean to separate us and them. What I'm saying is that we are all one, meaning we all actually share the same ancestry ultimately. Even if we want to make this personal, we have just for our own benefit, we need to be healing our lineage so that we restore the truth and we restore our 12 strand DNA. If we all restored it, or even 50% of the population on the planet restored their DNA, the 5D timeline is already a reality. Hmm. Right? But then additionally, as someone who considers themselves a global citizen, I really get weirdly defensive and offended by people trying to separate me from my brothers and sisters. It's very offensive to me. And I wish I had the right words for that because I'm not even capturing the depth of, of disgust I have for that. It hurts my heart to know that I've been separated from my brothers and sisters for however long because of this depth of, of deception and interference. That's not okay with me. And I don't have all the answers and I, and I don't pretend to. And part of why I wanted to have you on today was to, for, for people that may not know what you're sharing, and we're certainly, of course, not making you the representative of, you know, Cameroon, for example. But when you told me your story, I'm like, this really feels like a deep, deep truth. Like, I feel like a lot of people will know this as truth when they hear it. And so I don't know what the answers are, but it's got to at least start with us sharing this kind of information, right? So that we can start looking at how do we heal this? How do we repair it? How do we... How do we allow the storytelling? Because even when you were telling me about the storytellers, I'm thinking, thank God, after all of these generations, they're able to keep those stories intact, considering the effort that these wieners, I'm trying to think of a nice word, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. a PG word, like the, the length they went to to suppress this information, the fact the storytellers are still able to pass it on from generation to generation, and even the shamanic wisdom, like we haven't even talked about your dad yet, and we'll get there in a moment. But um, I'm just so grateful that we're having this conversation. Because it's, it, we cannot evolve into 5d without healing this part of our storyline, in my opinion. 
Yeah, and and just to um, piggyback on what you're mentioning about separation, I want to share something that is really, um, that will maybe explain why it's important to have these conversations because sometimes we think, oh, it's in a spiritual level, we are just one, there is no separation. But what happens in the physical level affects our consciousness and it goes deeper. For example, the borders. The borders are invisible lines. Mm-hmm. Lines. They tell you this is the border and that's it. And the moment they say this is the border between, let's say, Mexico and America, now, because of that invisible border before the wall, <laughs> because of that invisible border, people feel different all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Let me share an example. In my country, right? The tribe I'm coming from is really stubborn. They, they, they don't, you don't, you rule on them anyhow. They, they are really free people, free spirited people. They do what they want and they are really not into getting put in boxes. And each time there is a revolution or a movement against, you know, whatever the government is doing that is not right. If my tribe is involved, the government knows is in trouble. That is going to be bad. So what happened is that at some point, because I, I was born and it was, we were in two different, let's say, I live to, for, to make it relevant here, maybe two different states. But at first, we were just one big state. So we know the rule divide to reign, mm-hmm. you know. So they knew, okay, let's try to divide them make them fight against themselves. That will give us a little bit of rest. It will focus less on us. So they put that invisible line they call border. So now they separated our one big state into two states and they said, okay, now, now it was presidential decree. Now on, now it's going to be state, they gave a name and from this to this, it's a different state. Now guess what? the same tribe, the same people who yesterday knew they were one family, one friend, one people. Now, because of that invisible line, now we are looking at each other as different people, pointing figures at each other, feeling smarter than each other, calling each other's names. And my mom told me it happened right after they created that border. They decided to give us two different states. We are still neighbors, but that invisible line is so powerful that the division was created. So I'm sharing that just to show that people who can be listening and be like, yeah, but at the spiritual level, we are just one. That's how the division start with although those rules they put at the physical level. That's how powerful it affects the human spirit and I have experienced it firsthand with my tribe. That invisible line they call border. Somebody decided to try trace a line on a map and that's it. Now, all of a sudden people think they are different. And you mentioned you, you consider yourself as citizen of the world. And that's how the whole world functions, right? Same thing mm-hmm. that happened to my tribe. Because you're in Canada, people are in America, we feel different. Mm-hmm. You are Canadian, I'm American. So we are not the same. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's what happens. 
those are the things that are done. We don't think it have it impacts us at the spiritual level, but it does. Mm-hmm. It does. If tomorrow they come and say, hey, now Canada is two different countries, guess what? The two parts of Canada will look at each other like different people. Mm-hmm. They will not feel like, oh, we are all Canadians. No, that will be the end of it. I've seen it, and we can witness it all around the world. Even mm-hmm. neighbors, country, neighbor, feel, they don't feel like they are, to, they are the same people. No, I'm in my country. Yeah, I mean, like, you are there, so we're different. Mm-hmm. So that's how it functions. So whoever makes those rules knows that if it impacts people at a spiritual level and they start, the division doesn't end on the putting a line on a map. It goes deeper. It creates separation in people's mind. It creates separation in people's heart, creates separation at a deeper level. So mm-hmm. just wanted mm-hmm. to add that. I, I'm glad you did. And that's actually really profound to hear that, right? Even when you were sharing about Ethiopia and the information that you're getting, and then you, your brother goes there and is showing you actual evidence to say, um, no, Ethiopia doesn't look anything like this, right? Even within our own countries, right? In your country and definitely in ours, like each province has its own culture. Uh, I would say in Canada, in this is just my perception, I do think that we're actually more united than perhaps other places, even though we do have some division and, you know, I could go on about that. But um, what I also found interesting is that when you were telling me that, you know, the Bible really is the thing, you know, it's not the Bible, the Bible is just a tool, right? And, and religion, it was just a tool of division. Uh, it's, it's mm-hmm. front, the front facing story is that it's a tool of unity, but let's be honest, all we see throughout the world is that religion is a tool to divide, uh, divide its own mm-hmm. people, divide religion, you know, divide between religions, etc. But when we spoke before you were telling me about your dad and how your dad is this medicine man, essentially spiritual leader, and you had to sneak around to see him because you were told as Christians that you weren't going to make it to heaven if you were associating with people doing the devil's work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that really divided my family. And it's sad because uh, even now with my sister and some of my brothers, we say, we wish we knew what we know today when my dad was still alive, you know? He, he was such a wise man that even priests would go to him for solutions. So we were his family, we were his kids, and we could have learned so much from him, but because the, he was the devil, mm-hmm. because we were still in religion, we were still Christians, and we, we, we had that conversation of if it's not from the Bible, it's from the devil, and whatever is from the devil is going to hell, we really, the relationship with my dad was broken. And it was, it was when I think it's really painful, you know, to, to realize that. And I remember once we had a conversation because the division was so big, it was really treated as an enemy. We treated him as a threat for us, for our lives. And at some point we, we didn't even have a conversation with him for like two years. And we thought it was good for us. We were safer without talking to him. But he came one day, and I remember the day he came, it was right after um, the attack, the 9-11 attacks. 
And my brother came to pick me up in school. I was in high school. And he told me, Bin Laden is in our walls. So it referred to my dad as Bin Laden. Are you mm -hmm. kidding me? That's how bad it was. So he came to see his family and we thought the enemy was in the house. And we were praying to protect ourselves from his evil. That's the man who raised us, right? That's the man who, if something happens in school, because at the time they were still beating us up in school, we are the only kids they would not beat up in school because if you try, my dad is coming after you. So everybody knew him. Nobody will even talk to us in a bully, try even to bully us or anything. So that's the man who all of a sudden became the enemy. So he came and he noticed the atmosphere. He was so tense and nobody wanted to, to even look at him in the eyes. And he said, let's have a meeting and let me know what's going on. So we started saying all the things he's doing, how it's from the devil, how, you know, our life is even being affected by the bad things he's doing. And, you know, all the bad spirits bringing to the family and da, 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 da. And I, I remember because he, we grew up really, he, we, he, we had opportunity to share how we feel. So it was really always a safe space to tell our parents if we don't feel good about something, what if we're angry. So when it was my turn to speak, I said um, that I'm really disappointed by him because I grew up bragging about my dad being the perfect dad. You know, my, my friends were jealous, you know, the way my dad was treating me and I felt special. And now I'm so disappointed to know that he's, he's such a bad person. My dad was so broken when I say that. And I, I even want to cry right now because it's just, it's just insane. So he said, I don't know what they told you. All I want to tell you that I'm still the same dad, the dad you just described. And I love you as much as I loved you in your memory. And that stuck with me, but yet I was like, yeah, but you're still dangerous. So I just, now I know the pain he was going through, you know, your family that, you know, you did everything for and you, you and my dad really made sure we had a good life, right? He, he was, he went the extra mile to make, to make sure we're going to the best schools, driving us to school, you know, we had a good life. And all of a sudden that same family look at you like you want to destroy them. So now I think about it and I know the pain he was going through. And it's insane that the same people who preach love, who talk about love and forgiveness, will take you to that place of looking at a, another human being as a danger, as a threat, as somebody you have to stay away from. And, and he even said something that at the end of that meeting. He said, you know, it's really interesting to me what everything that you guys are telling me, because you're saying that, you are Christians, you believe in God and I don't believe in God and I'm from the devil, whatever you guys are telling me now. And I, I agree, maybe I am, maybe I'm even a demon myself, that's fine. But I'm just asking you this simple question. How come people who believe in God can be afraid of a demon like me? Isn't your God supposed to protect you from people like me? 
And we couldn't answer that question because it was true. But in church, they tell you, and, and they, even have, they always have a, a verse in the Bible telling you, don't even eat in the same plate with, uh, with somebody who doesn't serve God, who doesn't believe in God. Now people try to be like, okay, well, you can't go that far, but it's in the Bible. Don't eat in the same plate as someone who doesn't believe in God, who, who is from the devil. Don't associate with them. So if somebody is, is weak in their spirit, they will believe that and they will stop. And I know a lot of families, even today, who are destroyed, who, does, who, who don't talk to family members because they are from the devil. They serve the devil. And if it happens that they still maybe go to medicine men or medicine women, that's worst. Nobody, if you are a real Christian, you shouldn't even associate with them because they are dangerous. They are going to kill you. Families up to today are destroyed. So for my dad, when he got sick, it's insane what I'm about to say, but that's the truth. When he got sick, we were happy. We thought God was punishing him for all the bad things he was doing. You know, he was paying for all the bad spirits he has been working with and doing all the bad things he was doing. We were happy. His own family. Right? Yeah. And uh, I'm glad that before he passed away that very week, my brother and I, you know, just decided to go visit him, which we didn't really have contact with him because, you know, thank God. At the time, he was about to leave us with all his bad spirits he's bringing to the family and other things. So I don't remember what triggered that, but my brother and I just decided, hey, let's go, let's go visit him. He's sick, you know? And we couldn't even say that to my mom or my sister again because we, we thought they would, be, they would be so mad. They would, they would not even allow us to go. So we just disappeared. We just left, went to visit him. And he was so happy to see us. And I remember that day we were eating and he kept staring at me. And he, he was probably just so happy to see us. He said that he was so happy to see us and he was surprised to see us because he couldn't believe that one of his family member will even come to see him because we, we told him straight up that he was a devil. So he kept staring at me the whole time and when we're leaving the following day, he, he just told us, you know, you guys don't know how happy I am right now. You can't really understand, you know, the joy that I have in my heart. And he told us again, he said, religion, my parents left me with a religion. You know, we, we were Catholics. That's how I grew up. And up to today, I read the Bible. I do, I do because that's how I grew up. And it's so sad that religion came today and destroyed my family. And he said, you know what I believe, you know what I do, and I can only give you what I have. So I'm going to, so he took a stone. He said, I'm going to bless you with this stone. And I remember he was putting the stone on our forehead and speaking some words, you know, of blessings. And in my heart, I was, I was praying against it. I was saying all the bad spirit, all the evil is trying to put on me now. I reject it. And it breaks my heart today to think about it. And I never had a chance to, 
tell him that I'm sorry. Okay, I, I mean, I can say I did, but he was already dead. You know, I had a conversation with him after he passed away like two years ago. But when he was alive, I, I couldn't tell him that I was sorry. So he died like that. At least I'm, I'm happy that we went there to visit him a few days before he died. But that's just, for a long time, for, for, for a lot of years, I was really resentful against religion. I was really mad. But I'm glad I'm over it, you know. I did my healing and I'm over it. I don't have any resentment or any anger. But that's how a lot of families are still divided. And I know a lot of them are being destroyed just because they believe some people are going to hell, some people are going to heaven. Maybe that's true. I don't know. All I'm saying is that is really creating damages. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't do anything with themselves. I had that conversation with a friend of mine. She's in England. I say, I'm really amazed by how much time and energy people put into preaching the gospel. I don't have anything against it. Instead of looking for a way to make money, they are struggling. They are suffering, but they still believe that praying is the solution. They will pray and God will come save them instead of them figuring it out, fig trying to find a way to do. They are using internet to say how much they love God when they could be using internet to make money. But they believe it's more important. And why? They tell you over and over again, this earth is vanity. What really matters is your place in heaven. You should walk to have a place in heaven. That's the priority. That's the gospel that is being preached. So people sincerely believe, and young people, they believe that they are doing the right thing. They are focusing on the right thing. They are proving to God that they deserve to be in heaven when they die. So even if they don't have money now, they will keep praying. If they don't have a job, they will keep praying. Even if they don't know what to do with themselves, they will pray and God some way, somehow will save them. It's sad, you know, it, it's really sad. I understand them because I was them yesterday. I used to really believe that. I used to spend a lot of time in church. I used to pray, spend, you know, be in group prayers, group choirs and all of the things. I was really involved in the church. So I know how the brainwashing can be deep. That's why when I look at, at that, I'm just sad, you know, because I know they don't, they don't, they think they are doing the right thing. They really believe that that's the way. But I also see the consequence in their lives. I also see how many families are being destroyed. I also see how poverty is, is rampant. And you have many more churches in Africa than anything else. More churches than anything else. And for some reason, poverty is not getting better. Is it the church's fault? I'm not saying so. But the gospel is not encouraging people to go figure it out. It's telling them, pray and God is going to figure out for you. And I don't think it's helpful. Mm -hmm. I have to wonder too, like when they first came over and colonized, just based on some of the things you've shared with me, what was the consequence if you, if you didn't accept the Bible? 
Oh, we were outcasted for sure because my mom uh, was sharing with me that if you didn't believe first, okay, you couldn't attend uh, the, the, as I was saying that the Catholic church would take the lands, right? So when they come in the village, they preach and you give them the lands, the chief, because my grandfather was a chief. They have to give you, you have to give the church a land where they'll build their church and then they will go there. They will start also because they had the money, right? They'll build the schools. So now for your kid to go to that school, you have to be a Christian. If not, how is your kid going to go to school? It's the church that has the school. Mm-hmm. And in, ch- in that school, the priests are the people teaching them and then they have to be learning the Bible. So you are really putting yourself out if you're not buying into that. You have to, you know, join the church to benefit from it. You know what I'm saying? And, and they will have uh, uh, ways also to, to promote, promise people that, hey, you know, you can also have opportunities if your, one of your child is chosen to become a priest, they can go to the Vatican, they can travel. So, of course, you want to be, to be part of it. You want to. And if not, you are left behind. You are definitely left behind. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That, that, that's, that's how it was. Mm-hmm. And again, remember, if they are telling, the, if part of the family is going and telling, they are telling them that whatever the rest of the family is doing is from the devil, guess what? The family is divided because now they are coming back from church. They don't want to see you. And if it's not your house, they're kicking you out because now you're bringing the devil in the house. Mm-hmm. Interesting, right? That they, I mean, the same things are applying where they um, use religion to hypnotize people, essentially. And, you know, if we fast forward to today, when the discussion around the world is mandatory vaccination, people say there's no mandatory vaccination. Well, no, but when you literally aren't letting me participate in anything in society, you're kind of forcing my hand, right? And creating all these awkward conversations. I know it's not the same thing as it's race, but I'm talking about the principles, the conditions that create these ways to oppress and divide because it's really about the division. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and just to close that topic on the vaccine, I don't know, but at this point is, is really mandatory. If you work for the government here in the US now, you have to get the vaccine mm-hmm. or you're not going to work. The president said it to work in a government building or even to go in a government building, you have to be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. What, what, do, what do people mean by it's not mandatory? It is, mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. So that's where we are. I mean, yeah, it, it's, just, it's just sad. Uh, when I, I have conversations with uh, people who are, who are still Christian or religious or anything like that, I just tell them, you know, I have a different experience with religion. I know too much about religion because I was too involved. Maybe, maybe you read your Bible at home and you have your ways, but I was too in, first of all, I know the history, but beyond that, I was really involved in church. You know, I was one of those people who thought I had to read the Bible from one cover to the, to the end to once a year. So I, I read that book. I can have conversations about what is in it. And sadly, I know too much that maybe you don't know. 
And I remember last year I had a conversation with a friend at the beginning of this year, actually. And I did a Facebook live for that because she, she still legit believe she's in the US. And I was really impressed because I used to think that in Africa, maybe it's poverty that convince people to look for hope somewhere. You know, they keep believing that maybe God is going to come save them. So I'm really impressed when I meet, you know, uh, Christians or religious people here believing the same stories. I'm really amazed of how deep the, the, the programming is. I've been had people refusing to work with me because I said I've done, I don't buy into, you know, the story. I'm not going to talk about the Bible. They say, no, and my community is Christian. So you have, I say, no, I don't have anything against Christian. So I can come and serve. I don't mind if them being Christian, but I'm not going to act like I'm a Christian because I am not. I really want it to be clear that I'm not. I don't want to identify as one, even for five minutes. And they will refuse to work with me. And you might think, oh, well, we don't separate that much, but that's separation. Now, all of a sudden, you don't want to walk with me because I don't believe in, in, in your Bible, right? I know the Bible. I'm not saying it's a bad book. I'm just saying a lot of things don't add up because I know <laughs> what is in it. So now you don't want to associate with me because, oh, you're not Christian. So no, you're not good enough for me. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm, 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 I'm happy with it. I don't care. So that friend of mine was really... And I asked her straight up, I said, so I'm going to hell. She said, I love you. You're my friend, but that's not me. That's what the Bible said. You're going to hell. If you don't give your life to Jesus and believe in the Bible, you're going to hell. I said, okay. Um, Let me tell you this. The God of the Bible probably need a psychologist because it's a narcissist. Mm -hmm. If you don't love him, you're going to hell. Who does that? Even a human being acting like whoever doesn't worship me, whoever doesn't love me, is going to be punished. People will think you have a problem. You need help. So why, what makes it okay for the God of the Bible to act that way? Mm-hmm. What makes it okay? No, no, no. You can't talk like that about God. That fear, you know? And the reason why I was talking about it on that live on Facebook is because of the fear that, People are trained to, to, to believe, to have, even now we're talking about the vaccine and everything. Fear is the biggest weapon ever. And no one knows how to use that weapon more than religion. Mm-hmm. Fear. If you don't do this, if you don't line up, if you do not, you are going to be punished. You are going to go to hell. Now people act out of fear. Oh, 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 I can't say this, even though I think, oh, first thing, you don't have to question the Bible. That means you're questioning God. So even if it doesn't make sense, you don't have to question it. Because you, so now if there is fear, maybe I have questions, but I'm afraid to ask those questions because I don't want God to get angry. And we see fear affecting all areas of, even the people who left religion as myself, I have, I even have even up to today to unpack the fear that is coming from the programming I had from religion. And even now I find some things that are coming from that, from that time where I was programmed to be afraid of the consequences of me choosing to believe in myself or what I wanted. 
And how many people maybe grew up in families that were religious, maybe grew up, don't go to church anymore, but the programming is still there. That fear is still there. And they are still looking, you know, over their shoulder. Am I doing the right thing? Because the punishment was their program that if you don't do the right thing, you're going to be punished. If you do what you want, you're going to be punished because if it doesn't align with what God is asking you to do, you are going to be punished. So now the punishment, now we were talking about the vaccine, you're going to lose your job if you don't get the vaccine. That's what has led humanity for too long. Whether it's religion, politics, anything else, fear is the biggest weapon. This is what's going to happen to you if you dare. Mm-hmm. And religion knows it better, more than anyone else. And I asked her, and I asked her, why do, why do you guys need to scare people to convince them? Now you are telling me if I don't come back to Jesus, I'm going to hell. So basically, I should come back just because I'm afraid to go to hell. Not because I love him, not because I believe in him, not because I buy into the Bible 100%, but just because I'm afraid. That's the weapon, that's the, the argument you guys have fear. Mm-hmm. that's sick mm-hmm. well even w- witnessing the them weaponizing the church against us during covid right when they really wanted to get more people wearing masks it's the christian thing to do love your neighbor get the vaccine it's the christian thing to do love your neighbor the next it will be get the chip and it's best for your neighbor and then whatever else, right? Science will be the new religion potentially and, you know, all the things. And if people just... But it's interesting. It's interesting how... And I was watching the elections last year and I was really impressed to see how religion was powerful even in politics. Mm-hmm. I was impressed. Like in 2020, we still have people telling you they are going to choose or not choose a candidate and make, make a political decision based on religious beliefs. It was impressive. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Bible said this and this and this. So this is the candidate of God. The other candidate is from the devil. And I was, I'm in the U.S. Why am I having this conversation? Why am I hearing this? That's how strong the religion is. We might not want to hear it. We might not like it. But that's what it is. Religion controls the world. Mm-hmm. People are making political decisions, choosing a president of a country based on their religious beliefs and telling you the Bible said this is the perfect candidate. How does that even make sense? I don't know, but people believe in it. Mm-hmm. And I watched on TV people praying, being on their knees, prophesizing and doing all sorts of things around an election. Mm-hmm. Come on now. You know what I'm saying? So we, we might think, oh, women, religion is probably something all over, you know, whatever. But it's still strongly ruling the world. It's so powerful that whether we want to look at it or not, it's still conditioning people and dictating their behavior, dictating their choices, di- dictating the way they're living their lives in 2021. Mm-hmm. So we have to know that it's a system that is in place. Whether you believe in it or not, you have to be aware that the society we live in is still using that system because it's powerful. It's Mm -hmm. strong. Mm -hmm. It knows exactly how to use fear. It has mastered it. And when you put spirituality in something, people stop and think. 
So now you're telling, putting God into something. Some people that are still afraid of God for some reason will make decisions based on that fear. So that's why even politicians are talking about the Bible and God Mm -hmm. because the system is strong. Mm -hmm. And whether we want to think about it or not, we just have to be aware that religion is a system that is affecting all of us at Mm -hmm. at different levels. Mm -hmm. It's affecting, you were mentioning the use of love your neighbor. It's from the Bible, Mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's there. We have to just be aware of how that system operates and how it's controlling, again, the lives of people and their subconscious mind. And it's still programming people up to today to Mm -hmm. act a certain way. Mm -hmm. I want to switch gears for a moment before we wrap up today, because I I want to go back to what we were talking about with the vaccines, particularly the vaccines in Africa. And when you told me that it was just well known that if like it was just all kids were told, you know, if you go to school today and somehow the vaccinators show up, run like hell, (laughs) right? Like that's profound because that's not the image that, for example, I can, I can just speak for myself. That isn't what the propaganda machines were telling me growing up. Right. And then additionally, they're making it sound like all of you are just lining up in droves that you're all experiments that somehow people are just submitting or that it's happening in the masses. And when you're telling, you know, when you and I are speaking, you're saying, no, that's actually not the case. Yes. And it's really interesting because when you're on social media, you see so many things and I love social media. I do because it helps me with my, (laughs) with my healing journey. I see so many things that are triggering that when it triggers me, I go and do my work. So I love social media, but I see people post things out of just believing what they see on TV. And sometimes I'm like, should I even say something? Do they even want to know the truth or they just want to act like they know better? Sometimes I say something just in case someone is my read it and be enlightened. Sometimes I just pass by. But I read the other day somebody posted something and a lady said on LinkedIn, well, vaccines save lives. And, you know, some people need vaccines. Oh, it was after uh, uh, Richard Bronson launched a mm-hmm. flight to, to, to the moon and came back. So some people were so upset. Why do you spend your money doing this? People need vaccines, the, the COVID-19 vaccine in Africa. I told her, ma'am, ask Africans if they want the vaccine before assuming we do. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, in my country, which is true, nobody's waiting for the vaccine. As a matter of fact, people are sitting on TV talking about this. And I, I was making a, a joke with my sister daughter. They're saying in Africa, or they told people, oh, African uh, presidents are dictators. And my president is on that top list of dictators. But for some reason, people say whatever they want on TV. No censorship. But in the US, a free country, you can't say anything. You can't. Mm-hmm. You are censored. Even on social media, they track you down and they censor you. Mm-hmm. But it's not dictatorship, dictatorship, right? Anyways, so in my county, people say it morning, evening, noon. Do not get the vaccine. It's bad. It's terrible. It's there all the time. So nobody's waiting for the vaccine. In my, it, as a matter of fact, the vaccine is there. Nobody's going to take it. 
-hmm. Nobody's is taking it. So I, I told that lady, ask Africans if they want the vaccine before assuming that they just don't have the means to have it. And Richard Bronson has to spend his money sending vaccines to people who didn't ask for it. Mm -hmm. He has the right to use his money as he wishes because he worked for it, it's his money. And don't stop trying to save Africans or sending them things they don't need and they never ask for. And I shared that story, I said, me, growing up, I knew this is not about being against the COVID-19 vaccine. Africa has never benefited from the vaccine. I know the story that you have been told that vaccines have saved Africans, but I promise you, we know the real story here. And if you want to ask Africans, they can tell the different stories about a story about vaccines. How many kids have been killed because of vaccines? How many kids have been paralyzed because of vaccines? So before you assume that, oh my gosh, let's go save them, send them vaccines. And I know the president Biden saying, oh, 1 billion and a half, whatever for Pfizer vaccines in Africa. We're not gonna take it. That's it. Maybe 10% will take it and that will be it. Because Africans have a story and we know that vaccines were never made to save us. We're just a weapon used to fulfill the agenda they have always had. Mm -hmm. And they have used vaccines because that's a safe way to get people, things in people's body without them knowing. Hundreds of kids, those things I'm saying can be verified. It's not me making up stories that they're telling, we are talking about in the streets. Can verify this. I have some videos of how even the polio vaccine actually actually made a lot of kids in Africa handicaps. Mm -hmm. When the truth, the story that was told was, oh, polio is, you know, destroying those kids. Let's go save them. And at some point, the WHO even asked to stop the campaign of vaccination against polio because of the consequence that was so obvious already that they had to stop. But guess what? They took, they started again after because we know how it goes. Who signs the check makes a decision. So we have a long story with vaccines that just, it's not about us being against this vaccine in particular. It's just us knowing in general that vaccines sent in Africa are never really to save us or to protect us or, protect us or to do us any good. Mm -hmm. That's the story we have. And that's the experience that we have. And we have seen it. And sometimes I hear people I tell me, yeah, but you know, without the vaccine, uh, polio will still be running like crazy. I said, okay. I also have doctors who shared that, the shedding from vaccines because of the life virus, vi uh, virus that is still there actually Get, gave polio to other kids around that were not vaccinated. So it's the vaccinated kid who gave polio who, to the kids that were not vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So tell, let's talk about that. It's mm -hmm. from the doctors, I'm no doctor. Mm -hmm. So what do we say to that? Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. Because we want to feel good about ourselves. Oh, we, we send things in Africa to save them. We're going to sleep better. We don't want to know the details. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. We don't even bother to ask Africans, is this helpful? Do you even want it? You know, do you really need more? No, we just going to, oh, 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 they need it, send it to them. Okay, we're going to do it and feel good. Mm-hmm. Nobody's asking Africans ever, ever. Because again, who are, what do we know? Everybody knows better than Africans. Uh-huh. That's the sad, that's the sad part, you know? Yeah. And I remember one of our, uh, my teacher in high school said, talking, speaking of colonization, he said, said, the meeting where they were deciding who will colonize which country of Africa, they were deciding of the future of Africa and Africa was absent from the discussion of their own future. And that's the story of Africa. Everybody make, is making decisions about Africa and Africa is never part of the discussion. Mm-hmm. Never. Even as you're telling that story of um, the conversation you have with this woman or that, you know, when you made a point on her post, you know, I, I realize that it's layered, right? Like it's definitely a culture of whiteness to hear that. Like I'm offended hearing that, like the fact that it was so presumptuous. And yet I also, when we're talking about religion, realize that that's what religion does. Blame, shame, guilt, and judgment, right? So they guilt you into because I, I can speak for myself and probably a lot of people listening. When I was growing up, if I didn't finish my plate, there was never a single time I didn't hear, finish what's on your plate, children are starving in Africa. <laughs> and, and I know you have an opinion about that. But the reason I share that is because guilt can be a really powerful tool, as we know, and shaming and so on. And I realize again, there's more layers to this. But um, it just, it makes me wonder, and, and also the whole savior complex, like, you don't, you don't even ask people if they wanted it, like you're saying, right? And there's just so much assumption in that. And I recognize that's part of the colonizer's mindset, right? Is we know better. We know, because everyone knows better for Africa. That, that's really the history, right? We know better. Africans are just too whatever. They're too barbaric. They're too disconnected. They're too whatever to know what's best for them. So we have to go in and educate these poor souls who are so lost and without us, they would just never survive. And yet at the same time, let's constantly go to Africa and try to kill them. And back to the video we were talking about at the beginning, which we didn't really give a lot of context to. And I know there were many topics in that, but one of them was around how food is manipulated and modified because they know that the way that it'll be absorbed in a black person's body will make them sick, will disconnect them, will you know, give them diseases or uh, deplete their immune system or whatever the case is so that everything else that comes at them, whether it be the vaccines and whether it be something like COVID, whether it be whatever, that it it wears a person's body down differently than if it was in someone else that had a different um, constitution, let's say. Yes, so uh, to to come back to, oh, let's, uh, you mentioned, oh, finish your food. You know, people are starving, kids are starving in Africa. I just want, uh, because I know maybe some of the listeners have been in Africa and they might say, yeah, I hear some people are really hungry in Africa, which is true. 
which is true. But I just want us to, to keep things here into their context. We are talking about a continent that has all the resources that you can think of. And those people were doing just fine, living their lives the way they knew. Until somebody came and told them, no, no, this is not good. This is how it should be. Now we have people who try to fit in the new perfect way and giving up on the bad way. That was working just fine for them. Now, of course, of course, you are going to go somewhere where people don't. There are villages in my country where schools are built and kids just don't go because when it's time to go sow some things, the parents will take the kids in the farms because that's their way of living. But if you go there, what are you going to say? Oh my gosh, they are depriving these kids from their future. Why are they not going to school? Because school is your culture. Not saying school is bad, no. But can we just come to a place where we allow people to be who they are without thinking there is a perfect way of living and another, the other one is so bad we have to fix it. That's where the problem starts. That's why we have now poverty or, or hunger in Africa. Not because lands don't produce food anymore. No. Lands still produce food. There, are still water, there is still water in the river and everywhere else. But now you told those people, those things are not the future. You need to go to school and get a job. Now that they don't have the school, they can't get the job. Now they are poor. Now they feel lost. Now they don't have food because they abandoned their lands. They don't want to go farm anymore because they told them, hey, look at that. Nobody needs to go to a farm. You can go to school and get a job. Now, of course, people are hungry because they are not doing what they know how to do. They are not doing what is easy and available to them, their own environment, their own culture. They left, they, they abandoned it to try to fit in a new culture that, and they don't have the resources for that. They don't. So, of course, today they are hungry. And now you want to go fix it. How about allowing people to learn to be who they are. I will remember that, hey, before trying to get to school and get a job, how were we living here? How were we living here? We were farming our food and eating. Oh, can we still farm our food and eat? Yeah, okay, let's do it. No, 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 you told them that's, that's poverty right there. That's poverty. You have to get out of there, go to school and get a job. Now, where is the school? Where is the job? Oh, I don't have that, so I don't have food. That's the real problem we need to address here. Mm. Because when we see things, we have to keep things into perspective. We, are we seeing that, oh, Africa is lost because they don't fit into the Western model? Yeah, if that's the case, absolutely. You're right. We, we, can't, we can't catch up. There is no way. We always be behind because it's not our system. It's not our model. We can't copy. We can only copy so far. But if we were left alone to be who we were supposed to be in the first place without confusion, I promise we will know what to do with our resources because we have a lot. I can mention a lot of countries in Europe who will not be the countries deciding for Africa today without the African resources. If they ask them, okay, leave Africa alone, 
Go mind your own business in your country. I promise those countries will be poorer than African countries. So they're going to act like, oh, we, we, we're protecting them. We're taking care of them. Why? Because they need the resources. That's the story they're going to tell to justify their presence there, to justify why they are using all the resources, to justify why they are taking all the wealth when Africans don't have access to it. So before we go save Africa with food because kids are hungry, how about we solve the real problem? Why are those kids hungry in the first place in a land where there is food? Does it make mm -hmm. any sense? It doesn't. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't. But nobody asks questions. We just go to fix, we have to fix it now. Okay, what is happening? How much, how much food can you really send in Africa to feed all the kids? You can't. That's why people are still wondering, oh, why, why Richard Branson is not sending money to feed people, poor people in Africa? How much money is he gonna send there to feed all the people and for how long? That's not the problem. That's not the problem. Sending money for food, for how long? You can only feed people for so long. How about you empower people to be who they are so they, they live their lives the way that their environment allows them to without trying to make them feel bad about it and telling them there is a better way. And now trying to get the better way they can't. Mm -hmm. And now we have all the suffering. Even the deception you're describing, right, around like, at the beginning of the colonization, you're told, well, we have to accept the Bible. This is the only true way to salvation. This is how you're going to make it into heaven. The poorer you are, the, you know, the more noble path you're living. And then coming along to farmers saying, this is the way of poverty, go get a job and whatever that already is, um, you know, a mixed message the very well i mean it's deceptive right because it goes against the whole principle of why you colonized africa in the first place which is that you've got to save all these poor devil worshipers from themselves which wouldn't have even been the truth that would have just been the story the front-facing story to justify the takeover uh well to first of all suppress the, the wisdom uh that the ancient wisdom that comes from africa to suppress the power of people that have their dna strands intact and to be able to control the resources and make a ton of money off of you. Yeah. I mean, I just want to, to, to remind um, any African who can listen to this that I'm not sharing this as a place of we are victims. We are not mm -hmm. because we can always change that. We don't have to. Yes, the programming is there. And sometimes it takes, it took them years to, you know, to put that seed in our subconscious mind and it has been running from, for generations. So it might take time to, you know, change the programming. I get it. But at least we have to know that it doesn't have to be that way. We can do something about it. You know, one way or the other, we, first thing we have to remember that it's okay for us to be who we are. It's okay. And it doesn't matter if other people don't get it. It doesn't matter if it doesn't fit in other people's way of living. We just have to be who we are. I remember when I was working at the airport, um, just to show how deep the conditioning of then the shame about being who you are, trying to fit in someone else's system is deep. I would warm up, warm up my African food and take it to the office to eat for lunch because I just don't want to buy 
I, I don't buy food, fast food. And I, I really want to know what I'm eating. And, and I usually tell them, I don't, I don't just, I don't trust a lot of things that people sell here. So I rather know what I'm eating. And sometimes I just cook African food. So I will take it. Then I have African colleagues asking me, how do you feel about warming up this food in the office? I say, what do you mean? It's my food. No, but you know, you know, they can be, you know, uncomfortable with the smell. I don't care. It's the smell of my food. So I have to hide my food because some people are uncomfortable. I'm not, I don't mean to make them uncomfortable, but, and I understand that they are not used to it. I get it. If they ask me, I can explain, but I'm not going to be ashamed of my food because other people don't know that food. Their food is not better than mine. I'm sorry. And that's how deep the conditioning, Africans are trying so hard to fit, to not be judged because they have been programmed that, oh, their ways are so bad, are so low, are so behind, are so barbarian. Now they're trying. But sadly, maybe at this point, we have to realize that it's not helping us. It hasn't served us for generations to try to fit in a model that is not ours. Maybe it's time for us to just own that, hey, we are different. This is how we are going to be part of this world with you guys being us, you know? And my, maybe you don't get it. Maybe it's different than anything that you know. Maybe our gods are different, have different names. Maybe our, our way of worshiping looks completely different. But hey, this is us. Mm-hmm. We, we sometimes make that a comparison with uh, Asian countries, my sister and I, that they have kept, they never embraced Christianity. They didn't. They kept their culture, their religions, their beliefs, and look at how developed they are. China is about to take over the world. We are seeing it, they are about to take over. Mm-hmm. But with the good ways, bad ways, it doesn't matter, they are about to take over. They were a third world country. Mm-hmm. And we just look at Africa who has embraced Christianism. We have a church at each corner Look at where we are mm-hmm. with all the resources that we have, with other European countries coming to get rich from Africa. Look at where Africa is. Mm-hmm. It's hard to not think religion has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. Well, and especially the Catholic Church, you know, I'm sure most people listening mm-hmm. know yeah, this. It was, it's, they it's, are yeah, it's the, the largest mm-hmm. landowner. Uh, the second largest mm-hmm. landowner is McDonald's. And, mm-hmm. but from a, from a deep, like, woo perspective, you know, the Catholic church uh, has designed their building in such a way, designed the Vatican, I should say, the main hub over the portal that holds the, craziness on this planet right and that building amplifies the energy if anyone's ever seen what's on the outside of the vatican and what's on the inside of the vatican you would know that there's nothing benevolent about what happens in the catholic church i'm not saying that yeah go ahead (laughs) it's funny but it's really interesting and again it's my mom who pointed that out for me she said, notice that each Catholic church in my country, I don't know here, I didn't check here, but in my country, she said, notice that each 
Catholic Church is built right across a cemetery. Mm. And I started noticing and she was right. She was mm. right everywhere. And then when she said it, I started paying attention and I was like, whoa, this is intense. Mm. And also I have some priests in my family, uncles or cousins and things like that. And apparently that I can't confirm, a Catholic church is built, the altar where the priest, you know, is giving the sermons and everything. When they built a Catholic church, uh, that place, they bury a bone. And they say that it's a bone of a saint in the, the Catholic church. You know, they have St. Simon, St. Peter, St. So they say it's a bone of one of those saints that they bury there for, to, to be the, you know, the guardian of that church or whatever. And people were just wondering how many Catholic church are in the world and Catholic churches are in, built in the world. And how many saints do you guys have that all those bones are still available to do that? Mm -hmm. Why are you taking all the other bones? Just, mm -hmm. just when you say that the way the churches are built, mm -hmm. it's interesting. That's why I remember, oh, actually in my country, they are usually built across a cemetery as well. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I know this uh, from Andrea Keller, who we've had on, who's an architect, and uh, she knows a lot about Freemasonry and other crazy societies uh, in the world. And I've seen, now that I've learned much more about architecture, I've seen how much they design it to hold the energy and amplify the energy. So they've built the Vatican right over the portal, basically, that holds the energy of the black hole technology, that of course, uh, the black hole technology will take issue with black culture because their whole job is to worship a completely different God. So your God is already wrong because, mm -hmm. well, I mean, that's a whole other conversation, but when you're holding the, the language of light, the, the pure blueprint for humanity, they're going to come for you. And the Vatican, as we know, is well known for coming for a lot of people that uh go against it and again that's a story for another mm -hmm. day so i know this is complex and i think we're gonna have to put a pin in it for today and i'd like to be able to still have the conversation if you're down with it i think it'd be kind of cool actually to gather a few people together and, and talk about it more even from a like what do we do now with this information kind of perspective right mm -hmm. i think today is a starting yes. place because for me, I, I can just speak for me that it was super helpful to have some missing links and some dots connected and to have some truth restored. I knew there was distortions in a lot of what I was being told, but I didn't know what the actual truth was around a lot of things. And so there's, a, I, I believe, a healing in that. And then, of course, the awareness. And then now that we're aware, it's like, okay, well, what do we do? And so I feel like that'll be a conversation, of course, for another time. And um, I definitely would love for all of you to let us know what you're taking from this, what ahas you're taking. Uh, if you're taking issues with that, with things that have been said, that's okay too. We are both very strong people. We can handle, <laughs> handle whatever that might come at us. Uh, but also if this resonates and you feel like there's something useful in this information, I'd really love for you to share it with as many people as you can, because I firmly believe that this is something we need to make a priority, especially in the light worker community. For those of us that claim that we care about oneness and we're trying to work against separation, if that's actually true, if that's actually what we stand for, 
then we have to include this in the work that we're doing and find practical spiritual ways to create restoration and spread truth and provide healing and um, yeah, all the things. So Crystal, thank you for being here and sharing your story. Uh, and can you please let people know how they can get in touch with you? Because what we kind of started at the beginning, but just to remind people, Crystal is very awake, as you probably can tell, very, very connected, master manifester, just super insightful and a massive clear channel. So this is definitely someone that I feel very honored to be connected with. And I know you'll want to connect with her as well. So if you can let people know, that would be great. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. It's always a pleasure to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. At least, you know, I know I can have these conversations with you, which is good. Thank you. So, yes, I mean, at this point, the easiest way probably to reach out is just through Facebook. Just go Crystal Biga. I'm there, C-H-R-I-S-T-E-L-L-E-B-I-I-G-A, Crystal Biga. You can DM me there and we can, you know, I can answer any question and, you know, even if you are interested in coaching as well, we can go from there. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And for everyone listening, we will have that in the show notes as well, because you may be driving or something right now and may not be able to um, write this down. But um, before we go, do you have any parting words for us? Yes. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to listen to this and and I want to reiterate that uh, I'm sharing this from really a place of love and thinking if I have an information that can help someone else, I'm honored to share it. And then I'm coming from a place, an empowered place, not from a victim place of somebody crying that, oh, they did this to me and that's so bad. No, I'm aware of what happened. And I'm also aware that we have the power to change something about it, to do something about it. That's why I'm glad that you, Jennifer, you mentioned that we have to, you know, probably have another conversation on what to do now that we know what we know. So this is a conversation that I'm glad to have to empower because I'm empowered myself. And I think knowing the truth is the first step if we want to do anything else. It starts by knowing exactly what is happening in order for us to make informed decisions. So that's, that's why it was a great pleasure and honor to be here and have this conversation with you today. I love you. Thank you for <laughs> being my friend and thank you for who you be. <laughs> and thanks to all of you for being here. And uh, we did have a bit of a marathon, but I, I hope you understand why we need to take this time today to, to give it this much airtime and it, and it deserves way more airtime. So stay tuned. We'll keep you posted when we're going to do our next I don't know, extravaganza. And uh, between now and then, I'm going to send you off with lots of love. We'll see you soon. Bye for now. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you absolutely loved what you learned today, I would love for you to share with your friends by leaving a review so that more people can learn of the show and be impacted by the information we're sharing here. If you aren't already following me on social media, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Jennifer Longmore. And I'd also love for you to visit my website, www.souljourneys.ca and claim your free soul acceleration system while you're there. 
You'll become a VIP recipient of my ever-popular daily messages from the Akasha delivered to your inbox each day. With love and namaste.